Echo there. All right, the meeting is called to order. I think we have Commissioner Marsh online. Anyone else, Kanita, is that it right now? We'll go ahead and do the Pledge of Allegiance with how ownership. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Thank you. <clears throat> Thank you, Hal. We now will have our safety minute. Ms. Um, Kira Wise, from a member of the safety team, will deliver that for us. Hello, good afternoon, commissioners. Good afternoon. Um, I am here to present our safety minute, which will be over. <laughs> which is over driving in severe weather. I figure this is a very um, relevant topic as we've been having a lot of rain and fog lately. Be having snow and ice coming before we know it. So we'll be talking about driving in severe weather and what you need to know. So before traveling, it is always important to plan your travel and your route. Um, this includes looking at the weather and also any traffic conditions that may hinder you traveling and also stocking your vehicle. Um, an important thing that everybody has is a cell phone and making sure that you have it on you and charged always helpful in case you are ever in an emergency and also having an emergency roadside kit um, in case you're stuck on the side of the road and need to follow any safety in that aspect. Driving with extra caution is very important and this includes driving slowly whenever there is bad weather conditions and also turning around so that you don't drown that's very easy to assume that a or water ahead of you might be shallow and not anticipate how deep it actually might be, getting yourself in a dangerous situation. Also, maintaining significant distance between you and the car in front of you so that you give yourself enough time for reactions and using turn signals early so that you're giving the cars behind you time to react as well before you get over. And also looking out for pedestrians and cyclists. Some driving tips I wanted to share for driving in fog include not using your high beam headlights because this actually, they will reflect off of the fog and can hinder your sight even more. So make sure you're using your normal headlights or fog lights if you have them and also using the white line on the right side of the road for guidance. Driving tips for rain include turning on your headlights no matter how bright it is outside um, it will help <coughs> people see through, that, through the rain. And also avoiding puddles, as this can cause hydroplaning. Along with this is driving in middle lanes, if there is one, because puddles typically gather on each side of the road. Driving tips for snow and ice includes taking corners slowly so that you don't slide, and accelerating gradually so that you do not spin out and your tires can actually get traction. But most importantly is beware of black ice as it is transparent and will look just like water on the road. So those are some tips I wanted to share with everybody and um, everybody stay safe out there. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Sure, I just want to say yesterday, I, about six o'clock in the evening, I was driving through about three inches of uh, yeah. water on the on side. Yeah, it it, it can get pretty treacherous. Right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Can we approve last next last week's meeting? No. All right. All right. Any public comment? No, sir. We have no. Thank you. All right. I guess Greg, our 2023 um, items, Greg will present consideration of the commission off of the will. Those we also have to be voted on. Yeah. But if you the, want to, uh, the next unvoted item would be my presentation. There you go. How about the communications department? <laughs> <laughs> the Canadian Ridge will present highlights of the communications. Yeah, I'm, I, I would do the one above that one first, which is uh, my walk. No there you deal. go. There you go. There you go. Running the show. Let's give it a go. <laughs> and I apologize ahead of time if I'm coughing. It's, it's strictly just a tingle from my uh, sinus disorder. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> uh, Vice Chair Hightower and Commissioners, we all know the critical role that water plays in our everyday lives, from protecting, uh, from fire protection and manufacturing, from fire protection and manufacturing, fire protection and manufacturing to protecting us from disease. This critical role was never more evident than when COVID hit and the world found itself in a global pandemic. On TV, social media, the radio, grocery store windows, everywhere we looked, there was information on the importance of washing our hands with soap and water. It was clear that water was a must have to combat COVID and water and wastewater utilities around the country halted, shut off, and started reconnecting services that had already been disconnected. But, and, and here you can see some of the headlines. These were the headlines that we were seeing every day during COVID when they were seeing uh, shutoffs being halted. But once we got somewhat of a grip on COVID and the disconnects resumed, what would that mean for residents already struggling to pay a monthly bill. Now that bill will be compounded with additional months on top of it. There was help for gas and electric customers through the low income home energy assistance program known as LAHEAT. And that program had actually been around for about 40, and I believe this year may make 41 years that that program has been in existence for assistance for customers. Yet, there was no equivalent for a water program for assistance. It took a global pandemic for Congress to create the Low Income Household Water Assistance Program, known as LAWAP. And today, I'm going to give you an overview of the program and how our customers have benefited. The, in the American Rescue Plan Act, it, uh, it called for funding for the LAWAP program in the amount of $500 million in emergency funds. Of that, $13.1 million was allocated for the state of Arkansas. Now that included all of Arkansas, and if I'm not mistaken right now, I believe there are 212 utilities, water and wastewater utilities, signed up to receive funds from LAWAP from that $13.1 million. The program is being administered by the Arkansas Department of Energy and Environment, the Division of Environmental Quality, and it allows up to $2,000 to be paid directly to the utility companies for their past due water and wastewater bills. There's a long list of eligibility requirements, but um, customers can automatically um, qualify if they receive some of the benefits shown here on the screen, such as SNAP, LAHEAP, SSI or TANF benefits. Of course, a program of this magnitude will require outreach and letting our customers know what's going on. So the state DEQ that's overseeing the program locally, they contracted with COIN, which is a, a statewide agency to, to uh, promote this statewide. They, they did posters, flyers, they uh, had a couple PSAs. They did uh, mail inserts in uh, the water bill. They did a phone campaign, social media outreach. Uh, when applicants went to in, when applicants went to apply for other low-income programs, they were informed about uh, this program as well, the LIWAP program, and they also reached out to faith-based institutions for assistance as well. But of course, like I said, this was this company was contracted for the entire state. So what we did was we partnered with Central Arkansas Water and we, uh, we ran our own uh, outreach campaign. We got with the mayor's office, they did a public service, he did a public service announcement for us. We placed the information on our website, Central Arkansas Water placed it on theirs since it was a joint effort. Um, we put it on our social media, on our next door app, and you can see where the red arrow is pointing that was some outreach material. So whenever we were going out, <coughs> we made sure to take that information with us as well, in English and in Spanish. And we also actually partnered with CAW to do a couple in-person events where we actually 
sat in front of laptops and iPads and signed up residents uh, on the spot. And we did that in conjunction with the local uh, church in downtown Little Rock. But of course that still wasn't enough because the outreach that we were doing was very general. It wasn't targeted. It was just kind of, hey, Little Rock, this is what we have. So we've contracted with Promise Pay to uh, target those individuals who are past due and have a, a balance to let them know that they qualify for this program and to help get them registered, signed up for it. And so to date, we, we signed up for this program in June when it first became available. So since June, we have been able to assist 1,484 customers, um, Water Reclamation Authority and CAW customers. And we've collected a little more than half a million dollars. So, so far, so good with the program. Uh, what about the future? What happens after this emergency funding is, has passed, is gone? The 500 million, the 13.1 that's allotted for Arkansas. Well, um, it was actually part, it's been put into the Infrastructure Act, but there's no funding has been allocated for, uh, for this line item as of yet. However, there are organizations, um, water organizations such as NACWA, the National Association for Clean Water Agencies, um, and some others, they're actually lobbying Congress to get this as a permanent funding source uh, for our customers who are in need, similar to the LAHEAP uh, program that's been around for 40 years. I just want to add, Commissioners, uh, this is, um, the, the unfortunate part about this is um, they're only paying for folks that are in the rears. Um, and there's so many folks that have need that are paying their bill, um, but have need to, that, that would certainly benefit from a program like this. Um, you know, um, with NACWA, we're, we're actually looking at, at, at making sure that we do everything we can to make the program very similar to the LIHEAP program, where low-income residents uh, qualify as well. So that it's, it's not about being in arrears, but it's about helping folks that, that can barely pay their bills. And so we will continue to work on that. Um, obviously, there's, there's still a lot of work to do to get the folks that, uh, that have not uh, um, signed up for this, but uh, we'll continue to work on that. Yep, and we have until the end of December 2023 to use um, that money as the entire state for the, of the 13.1 million. So two questions in the LIHEAP program, what, I mean, is it, is it, does it pay for customers that are, this fall as of in January, or do they have to be in the rear? No, I think it pays for customers that are, that are in, if you, if so in other words, if that, that SNAP program and those other programs, so if you qualify for those programs, you generally qualify for the LIHEAP program. And so that helps. As a matter of fact, those are some of the folks that we have been um, targeting as well because then they also qualify for this program. So um, there, this program um, nationwide, every state is, is doing it slightly different, although there were some guidelines behind that. Mm -hmm. So now the question becomes, what does, what does the new program in the future, if, if there, the, the LIWAP program is in existence in the infrastructure bill, it's not appropriated for it. So, mm -hmm. so uh, you know, at some point it would, it, would, it would have to be done on an annual basis or, or, or something like that. But The other question is, are, do the customers, when they get the notice, off notices, do they, is that what, do we have a line item in there showing them that they can take advantage of that? that that's where Promise Pay comes into play. Uh, they are, a, they have a list of every customer that's past due and they are able to call them, they are able to send them a direct uh, mail piece and say, hey, we realize that this is where, uh, that your bill is past due and this is a program that you qualify for up to $2,000. If you come see us, we'll walk you through the process. Uh, but in terms of actually being on the bill, no one has told me that it's actually on the bill. Yeah, I mean, it, it would, I would assume that that person or individual, when they're about to be shut off, they're looking at that bill. And if there was a line, a link that said you can now ask for assistance through the LAWAP program or however, it might be something that might be a little bit more taken advantage of versus a third party just sending out emails or something, but I don't know if that's something we could do. Well, or yeah, it, but again, it goes back to they have to be in the rears under this program. In other words, uh, it, 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 they have to be in the rears.
option. So. Well, it seems to me with the fancy new billing system we're paying CAW for, that might be able to do something like that. Because I mean, when you get the bill, you get that shutoff notice. That's when they're scrambling. And then I think they would look for something. Or they're looking for a number to call for assistance or delays. It would be great to say for assistance with your bill. Now we will have a communications. Now we have a communications <laughs> department update. So I would like to introduce my communications team. Um, Alexandria, if you're out there, Ava Mudd, Evan, and uh, Sarita Ferrier. Okay, so in the communications department, we have, um, we touch every department in the utility. And we enjoy that because nothing is ever the same every day. So we have a, a little video that we're going to share with you and then we'll come back and talk a little bit about the video. that ain't been here a month of Sundays. Now, I've been looking for y'all all day. Yeah, a typical day, which is a very busy day for us. I've been getting notifications all day about all the great things y'all have been doing, but you know what you haven't been doing? I know you're going to tell me, what haven't you been doing? I could use a little bit of help with my easement presentation. We got you. We're happy to help. I got the easement website up now I'm working on, and I'm also working on your easement outline. We got you.
Cash Register out. Uh, but these are some of the platforms that you can connect with us on social media. If you don't mind, you don't have to pull out your phone right now. But we are very active on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and LinkedIn. That's where we share a ton of content um, with the community, just letting them know some of the things that we have going on. Um, when we have job openings, if we're at a community event, um, so there are a ton of different things on there um, that we share. So these are our social media platforms that we currently have. And on our social media platforms, we use it as a tool for outreach. So we have different campaigns that we present um, during different periods of time. For example, our Black History Month celebration from this last February. And we do these things like this one in particular. We use a local community figure so that we can increase our engagement among people. You know, if you see someone that you recognize, you may be a little bit more inclined to like or share. Um, and those are great things for us because that shows that people are seeing what we're putting out there and also that they care about what we're doing. And so they leave amazing comments and we have the capability to go in and see the types of people um, who are engaging with our content, whether they're male, female, their age bracket, where they're located, um, but even down to the type of device that they use. And so uh, we also, like I said, share our job openings. And this is just a little bit more of the analytics that we can go in on the back end and see and make sure that what we're putting out there um, is reaching the people that we want it to reach. And so this is just a behind the scenes look at our Instagram analytics. Um, we have this for Twitter, we have this for LinkedIn, we have this for all of our platforms as well as different um, software that we use to track those things, to monitor when people are mentioning our names and responding to those things in kind. And for example, you'll see that our past superintendent, uh, Michael Core, you know, you can contact us on Twitter. Um, we've had people from as far as New York City Water, which is one of the larger uh, water utilities in the company, comment on some of the things that we've shared. And then you can see here, um, one of our local residents at some point had a little brown water in their toilet, which happens. Um, but it shouldn't always. So they reached out to the mayor, who then in turn uh, contacted us. And so this is a tool. This is a tool um, that we use to make sure that we are in constant communication, not only internally but also externally with the people that we serve in our uh, community and in the churches we commit. So one of the uh, larger projects that we undertook this year was a brand identity guide. And in this guide, it includes all of our brand marks, not just our primary logo, but here you can see our fog logo. It includes our women of water logo, can the grease, uh, cap the clean out. Uh, I know I'm missing some, we have lots of logos. And so within this, uh, I think it was like a 25 page document, we outline the proper uses for our logo, how it should be used, when it shouldn't be used, things that people try to add to it. People, For some reason, people love adding that Dallas Cowboys star close to our logo. Um, and so we make sure that none of that happens uh, with, uh, with our logo in this brand guide that we use as an internal document guides our use of all of our company logos. <coughs> in terms of emergency planning, another thing that we did this year was excuse me, uh, was develop a uh, communications department response guide. We all know that the uh, worst time to try to get ready for an emergency is when the emergency is going on. So we were uh, very proactive in creating this guide so that we could be intentional in the way that we communicate and respond in, uh, in the case of an unfortunate uh, emergency, such as a large diameter main break or if a tornado destroys uh, a building. We've already created sample documents such as press releases, um, social media posts. Uh, so then we can just go in and fill in the uh, information that's relevant so we aren't scrambling at the last minute trying to put something together to send out. And the second document that we created was a mobilization guide. And the, again, this is so we could be intentional with our communications and making sure that the people that are supposed to be contacted, that they are contacted. So this guide, uh, these are internal guides. This guide is used for us to identify who within uh, agencies, whether it's the city, uh, fire department, DEQ, um, ANRC, whoever it is we need to contact, this guide helps us to make sure that we contact them, helps with the flow of communications within the organization 
making sure that uh, the safety department, our C staff, our executive staff, making sure that we keep everyone on the same page in the event of an emergency. And um, you all heard uh, Taryn, the, one of the engineers in the funder <coughs> development uh, uh, programs, talk about an easement, uh, his easement presentation. Well, anytime we have a new uh, program that we're going to take out to the public, we develop an outreach plan similar to this. We don't just up and say, oh, let's go out and talk to people. We, we outline our stakeholders, our messages, how we're going to deliver that message. We come up with a timeline. And we actually put a lot of thought into this and we develop presentations ahead of time. The easement website is up, their fact card is ready. So we are making progress so that next year we can go out and talk to residents about the importance of making sure that they know and understand their responsibility when it comes to easements on their property. And then the last thing Alexandra is going to, to present to you all. Hi. Hi. So in 2023, we are happy introduce our water hero, Jojo. Mm -hmm. So she will be in all the activity books where we'll take to the, uh, to the schools and for the kids and do our demonstrations and summer camp. They'll also get a little teddy bear. Oh, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> get the eradicated. Eradicated. <laughs> now, was Jojo resurrected? Because I seem to remember Jojo when I was Yes, yeah, she has gotten a very Okay. Recent, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, we we had a captain sewer. Is that what it was? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we, we retired captain sewer. He had a few incidents. You dating yourself, Sean? <laughs> 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 Making me feel old too. <laughs> but, but, but this is the communications department. We we love what we do. We love interacting with all the departments um, across the utility. We love interacting with the community being out in the field and not necessarily in our office uh, five days a week. Um, and we're even out on Saturdays and some Sundays and it's okay because we love what we do. That's, that's awesome. I mean, <clears throat> coming from a Fortune 5 company, I can tell you <laughs> I've seen some programs that are not as developed as what you guys have when it comes to that internal communication. So hats off to what you and your communication team are doing. Thank you. We're working to improve every day. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All right. We'll go back to item number six then. Well, right, we'll go to item four. Uh, is there any objections to approving the minutes of the November the 16th, 2022 meeting? Here are no objections. The minutes are approved as written. All right, item number six, uh, our commission, our, our president, Mr. Ramon, will present consideration of commission officers and meeting dates for 2023. Thank you, Vice Chair Hightower. Um, it's that time of the year again for chair, vice chair, and secretary for 2023. Uh, for the 2023 officers, we are proposing um, yourself, because you're, you enjoy this, um, as the uh, chair, uh, Lauren Waldrop, um, Commissioner Waldrop, as the vice chair, and Jonathan Seaman as secretary, and I'm asking for that uh, to be considered. Do I hear a motion effect to to that effect? Am I allowed to vote for myself? <laughs> yes, you are. Um, motion. <laughs> Do I hear a second? Second. All those in favor? Aye. Any opposed? Motion carries. <coughs> All right. I, I do want to say, um, I, I really want to thank uh, Commissioner McBride. Um, she has done a tremendous job this last two years, and, and obviously it's been very difficult with uh, the COVID and, and doing things virtually, and um, she hung through that. Did a lot of behind-the-scenes work uh, with me to make sure that the that the meetings went well, and and I really appreciate uh, what she has done, and I wanted to thank her for that. She's done a phenomenal job over the past two years. Thank you, Chairperson McBride. All right, item six B: consideration of monthly meeting dates. Uh, so yes, I this is in accordance with our bylaws. We're proposing for 2023 the commission meeting continue to be held on the third Wednesday at 4 p.m. 
We're closing two exceptions, and one, of course, is uh, our July meeting, which we generally uh, break at, and then uh, the December meeting of next year, uh, we're looking at the second week, uh, the second Wednesday, uh, because the third Wednesday is just too close to the holidays, so that's okay. All right. Do I hear a motion to that effect? Of a, uh, to that effect? Motion. A second. Second. <laughs> <laughs> are, are, are there any questions? All those in favor, say aye. Aye. Any opposed? Can you check to make sure that the folks that are online are are listening because we need to make sure we've got them. Okay. Chris, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Can you, can you guys not hear me? We, we did not, but if you voted, we heard you. <laughs> okay. All right. I did. I heard you. Thank you. Go ahead. Uh, I'm sure that you're I thought you were about to oppose that when you started speaking. <laughs> All right, dude. so motion passes. All right, thank you, sir. All right, now on to item number seven, recommendation of award for construction. Um, Carrie Beth Lesson will present a construction recommendation of award. That's me. Good afternoon. I can't believe it's already December, and what that means is that it's time to make our Christmas list. I know the communication department probably has a nap on their Christmas list. Uh, but on mine, I have a generator relocation and a new pump station. So uh, let me tell you a little bit about both. First up, we'll start with the 1750 kilowatt generator relocation project. So this is a recommendation to award for construction. As always, we will cover some background information and what we envision our next steps to be with this project. So here is the generator we are looking to relocate, which currently sits at our Adams Field Water Reclamation Facility. As a part of our recently completed capital upgrade and expansion project, we added a redundant power feed to this facility for backup and supplemental power in the case of an outage. Therefore, an emergency standby generator is no <coughs> longer needed at this facility. This 1750 kW generator from Adams Field does have the capacity to be used as backup power for the Bush Creek Water Reclamation Facility. Thus, it would be advantageous for us to relocate this to that facility. Here, what you are looking at is the Bush Creek Water Reclamation Facility uh, generator, which runs on biogas cogeneration system, which you can see here. In an event where we lose power at this plant, this biogas cogeneration system can only be started um, back up to power parts of the plant. This leaves the facility without power to some of the processes in the event of an outage. <coughs> the absence of these processes for an extended period of time can compromise the plant's treatment abilities. As such, the relocation of the generator from Adams Field to Bush will also provide this facility with enough backup power to power all of the treatment plant processes. And here we just have an overview of where this generator would be relocated within the Bush Creek Water Reclamation Facility. To the right of this location, we have that cogeneration building that I spoke about earlier, and then uh, below that is the transfer switch building. The only previous action items that we have for this project uh, is its approval in the 2022 capital operating budget. Okay, so moving on into the bidding phase, we received two bids for this project. The low bidder was Spurlock Incorporated out of Searcy, Arkansas. And here we have the comparison of those two bids to the engineer's estimate. And what I wanna make note of here is that the engineer's estimate did not include the added reinforced access drive for maintenance that you saw in the previous slide. Additionally, the physical route in which to relocate this large genera generator was challenging due to obstacles between the two plants, like the runways at the airport. But why would we relocate this generator instead of buying a new one? That's a great question and a few reasons why we chose to do so. A new generator of this size is estimated at over $1 million. So technically we're saving money in relocating this generator. Additionally, lead times on new equipment right now or even replacement parts for maintenance of some existing components are so long that if we purchase a new generator, we may not have backup power at this facility for over a year. But how do we know this generator is still operable? The generator was installed as a part of another project at the Adams Field plant in 2009, so it's relatively new equipment. 
But to ensure the condition and reliability of this generator, there was a load bank test performed. The results of this test proved that the generator is still in good condition. We anticipate construction to begin this year with a duration of 12 months. Uh, we don't anticipate any future action items for this, and so I can pause here before moving into our request and entertain any questions. And so will this generator, if will it be able to actually provide power for the entire location if necessary, or will it still require the other? No, sir. This generator has the capabilities of providing all full platforms full power to the Horse Creek facility. Okay. And what are we doing with the... The, um, the cogen digestion? It's, it's staying there as our primary uh, power source, but okay. this is just backup. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Any more questions? Okay, so today staff is requesting commission to approve the construction contract with Spurlock Incorporated for 500 $9,349.76 and request authorization of CEO Greg Ramone to enter into a contract for the Horse Creek Water Reclamation Facility generator relocation from Adams Field. All right. Do I hear a motion to that effect? So moved. A second? Second. All right. Are there any other questions? All those in favor? Staff? Aye. Aye. Any, <laughs> Any opposed? <laughs> Motion passes. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Carrie. Man. I see you will stay with us. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. So item number eight, pump station and forest main to, uh, for Port of Little Rock Department 2023 capital budget improvement plan. Uh, Carrie Beth Westman will once again present a 2023 capital improvement plan budget amendment. Now I'm actually going to tag team this one with Greg, so I'll let him start us out here. Um, there you go. Vice Chair, um, Hightower Commissioners, I want to start off by, uh, you know, we work extremely close with the Regional Chamber of Commerce as well as with the Little Rock Port Authority. Um, and what we're bringing uh, before you is an opportunity to be able to serve um, sewer service to approximately 2,900 acres of the uh, port land. And if you want to put the, if you see that area that, that's in red, that's the area that we would be able to serve with the project that I'm going to talk to you about. Currently, there are two companies there that will require to connection um, to this system. Um, we estimate that once the two businesses are, are a full build out, uh, Little Rock Water Reclamation will see approximately $1.5 million annually in revenue. Also, this project will serve the first mega site, and, and if you look at the, the site in blue, um, it is being, um, it is, it is, it is, it is being, um, um, what's the term I'm trying to use? That the port is going out, making sure that, that companies know that we've got a 100, 100 acre, excuse me, 1,000 acre mega site, and uh, that will also be served by this uh, pipe and pump station. Um, as well as the additional 2,900 acres that are around it. And so th when this is at full build-out someday, we could see a potential of about $5 million in annual revenue uh, from this investment. So what, what we're looking at here is it's, it's a pipeline and pump station. It will require about $3 million plus to build. Of that, um, the utility is asking um, the commissioners to commit one million of that. The remaining uh, source will come from uh, the chamber working with the port as well as um, the state uh, and or city uh, to obtain the rest of the funding. Um, we believe uh, that this is in the best interest of the utility in that it really is more master plan than it is trying to do one-offs every, um, every time a company comes in uh, to the port. So, um, Mary Beth, or uh, Carrie Beth, excuse me, <laughs> if you want to. <laughs> okay, moving forward with just a little bit more information on the, what this project is. Um, this pump station has a proposed capacity of 2 million gallons per day. That flow will be pumped from the station into our Bush Creek Water Reclamation Facility, <coughs> which is a facility seen here that we process <coughs> our uh, industrial flows at. So, what is a capital budget amendment? And what does it include? 
This amendment would include an additional $1 million, like Greg stated, added to the approved 2023 capital improvement budget to support this new pump station enforcement. Capital infrastructure is proposed to be a pump station housing positioned for five pumps, three pumps of which will be initially installed, leaving space for two more for additional growth in the port, and a 10-inch force main to connect uh, to the existing 30-inch force main that's already there. Additionally, this amendment would help support the professional engineering and contracting services needed to carry out the project using the construction manager at risk delivery method. So we always ask the question, why now? Um, well, the port is constantly being contacted by industries, as Greg said, looking to touch down in Little Rock. In order for the port to support those industries moving in, we will need to provide those sewer connections. Additionally, we are aiming to deliver this project by early 2024, so we're on a little bit of a uh, tight schedule. Being that this is a short time frame, the construction manager at risk method was chosen to carry out this project because it provides an expeditious and thorough pre-construction pre or design phase, leading into a quicker construction start date. So our schedule will look something like this that you can see here. We'll begin by reviewing qualifications for interested engineering firms, get them on board, and then do the same thing for a contractor. This helps an answer constructability-related questions during the desi design phase, which speeds up the construction process. I will pause here before our request and entertain any questions. At this point, staff is requesting to amend the Little Rock Water Reclamation Authority's 2023 Capital Improvement Plan program to add $1 million for a pump station enforcement for the Port of Little Rock, bringing the total capital improvement plan budget to $31 million, or $35 million, excuse me, $891,862. Do I hear a motion to that effect? Second? Second. Any other questions? All those in favor? Aye. 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 Any opposed? Motion passed. Thank you. Thank you, Mary Beth. Oh, sorry. Mary <laughs> <laughs> <Carry> Beth. It's the AV system that's throwing me out. <laughs> All right, let's keep it going. Item 11, our financial update. Mr. Roman, please, sir. As you can see from the title slide, Elf works in our procurement department. Uh, he transferred from another group about a year and a half ago. And these separations have been up for quite some time. And this picture doesn't really do it justice, but we are all ready for <coughs> the holidays in the procurement department. <laughs> So looking at our November financials, it's really, you know, the same story you've heard for the last 11 months, which is a really, really good story. Revenues exceeded budget again by $200,000 for year to date. We're $3.5 million over budget with one month to go and operating expenses. Um, the only difference this month is that our operating expenses actually exceeded budget. Typically, they're below budget. And we'll talk a little bit about what that driver was in just a minute. But for the year to date, our operating expenses are below budget by $1.1 million. And when you take the $1.1 million budget favorability and the $3.4 million revenue favorability, we're $4.5 million to the good on uh, cash flow. Looking at revenue, same story. The, the driver of our revenue performance has been our commercial or um, non-domestic accounts. Um, we'll see in just a minute as we look at water consumption, their consumption year over year on the non-domestic side continues to be up significantly. On the operating expense side, as I said, we're slightly over budget. That was really driven by a payment made <coughs> to our vendor for um, a biosolid hauling and disposal. Those expenses kind of run um, in the second half of the year and in December, we made a $470,000 payment to that vendor to I think pretty much finish off the payment for the year. Uh, total paid to them 
for 2022 was right around a million dollars, which is just a good price for us. Everything else is pretty much in line uh, in, in November. Water consumption, I was just talking about there, the 12 month rolling average on the domestic side, slight favorability, 1% growth. And on the non-domestic side, just under 8% on the rolling 12 months. All that's been taken into account for our 2023 budget, as we talked about the last uh, two months. So these days of significant revenue favorability are probably coming to an end. Next year, our goal will just really be to be at budget. From a cash flow perspective, we started the, uh, the month with 60, almost $69 million in cash, of which the vast majority is our operating and debt service reserve. Um, and we increased our cash balance by about $800,000. As you can see, we've got just under 10 million in restricted and just over 60 million in our operating and debt service reserve. Uh, we'll add to that uh, in December and uh, end the year in good shape in our total cash position. On the debt summary side, uh, we had a beginning balance of just under 392 million. We drew down 2.8 million on open RLS with ANRD. We made $700,000 in principal payments, and we ended the month with just under $394 million in outstanding debt. Our monthly interest expense throughout 2022 has run right around $1 million. And that's my report. Any questions? Have a great job. You have a great month. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. We now have item number 12. Uh, Jean Block will present the legal update. Hi, Commissioners. Um, on the litigation side, no update, unfortunately. Still waiting on our uh, ruling from the Court of Appeals. Um, just in terms of regular legal work that I'm doing, um, spending a lot of time with human resources and on a range of projects there. Um, I'm excited to announce that next month our HR department will come before you and um, share with you highlights of the work that they're doing. And that team is much like the communications team. It's a team of three, but they're doing um, tremendous work. Um, and so I'm excited that you'll get to hear some of that next month. Um, also have been working quite a bit for the last few months with Greg and Kenita on a new initiative. And I think we'll be talking about that in the coming months with you all. Um, and then I've also been starting to evaluate from a legal standpoint what exiting the CAO looks like for the utility. So those are some of the up some of the items I'm looking at. Hey, quick question. Uh, going back to the flywire. Yeah. Is that and I know you said national organization is looking at trying to get that to be part of a a, a national referendum. Is that really where it's attacked from as a national perspective? It's nothing locally or that we do or from a lobbying standpoint to get that in future consideration or is it all strictly at a national level? No, this is, this is national. Uh, most states uh, don't have uh, something specific to health revenue for water and wastewater. So we're, we're trying to attack this on a national level. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Makes sense. Okay. Thanks, Jean. Thank you. Not to skip back, but I was just thinking as you. No problem. <laughs> all right. No problem. Well, and actually, I'm sorry, that, that reminds me a couple things. Speaking of, um, lobbying. The legislative session begins um, early January, the Arkansas legislative session. As always, um, I will be monitoring um, our uh, lobbyist. We have a lobbyist who is monitoring for water, wastewater related bills. Um, and I will keep you updated, this, this group updated on items of, of interest. Um, we, we this year, um, we don't have any legislation that we'll be proposing. Um, and then the other item that I just wanted to put on your radar is um, in early January, you'll receive a letter from, uh, from myself uh, letting you know about the statement of financial interest that's due at the end of January, and we'll provide the form and the instructions. Um, so nothing for you to do now, but that deadline is always the end of January, so you'll get something from us uh, early next month. Thank you. Mm -hmm. All right, item number 13. Uh, Greg will present highlights. All right. Um, wanted to start off with our safety bonanza. And we, um, you know, we, we really pride ourselves on, on the safety record that we've had. And, and 
you know, one way we do it is we continue to talk about safety and do all the things that, that need to be done to make sure that, that uh, we're, we're safe. So December 8th, we got the entire utility together. It was a day where we uh, talked a lot about safety. We certainly had some camaraderie and fun in the process. Um, it was nice to get back. Uh, 2019 was the last time we had this. This year we had three, uh, we had speakers. Uh, we had uh, Chris Fulmer and he's with the Safety X Factor, Accountability in Safety Culture. We had Officer Moore with the Little Rock Police Department and he was uh, talking about active shooters. Uh, we had Kanisha Scott, uh, and she talked about uh, be the MVP, make the safe choice. And then our keynote speaker was uh, none other than Keith Jackson, um, and he's a retired NFL player, also a Little Rock native, and uh, author and founder of Park. Um, it was a great day of learning, fun. Um, as a side note, employees have worked uh, more than 1.2 million uh, man hours, or almost 700 days without lost time. And uh, this continues to be a tremendous achievement. And this was just a, a tremendous opportunity for us to be able to really concentrate on safety and make sure that our uh, employees see that as uh, top of the list every time they do things. So, Also, um, as part of the Community Champion Program, we collected money to buy toys for our Angel Tree uh, kids. We also collected canned <coughs> goods and donated uh, them to the local food bank. Our employees donated uh, $1,579 that will be used to brighten some children's uh, Christmas. And uh, speaking of our women of water, we uh, they had participated in a professional development session in Nove uh, November 28th. The session focused on professional dress and covered appropriate work attire for non-uniform personnel, casual Friday wear, and employee events. Uh, the speaker was Little Rock native Phyllis Dickerson. Uh, Phyllis has uh, 20 years of fashion experience uh, with several major retailers. She is now based in, uh, out of D.C. and is the CEO of the African American Mayors Association. I want to congratulate our senior procurement agent, Casey uh, Weatherington, on passing her Institute for Public Procurement Certified uh, Procurement Professional Certification. A lot of, lot of words there. Uh, th this is a new certification developed in 2020 uh, and only uh, the only one uh, anchored in the public procurement competency framework. Casey is one of only 945 recipients of this certification in the United States and Canada. There are nine uh, Arkansans that have the same certification, and as you would expect, uh, three of them are in the utility here. So wanted to congratulate Casey on a job well done. Also, uh, continuing with our Community Champions uh, volunteer effort on December 7th, we helped answer uh, calls at the Victory Over Violence, as well as Food for the Holidays Telethon in conjunction with KARK Channel 4. The Telethon benefited the Arkansas Food Bank and raised enough money to provide 313,000 uh, uh, family meals during the holiday as well as into next year. I want to talk about uh, commissioners. Uh, thank you again for amending the uh, CIP budget. Staff will be advertising for uh, an, uh, a, an engineer consultant for the Little Rockport Pump Station and Force Main uh, Professional Services. And of course, this is needed to uh, initiate the project. And we'll be bringing recommendations in the future uh, to you on that project. Um, you know, um, I, I want to talk about, and, and this is where you um, count your chickens before they're hatched. Uh, November commission meeting, Tanya Wallace uh, <coughs> came to you and, and had an update on the American Rescue Plan Act fund application. And this is where we submitted an application to the state to, uh, to get funding. <coughs> the state had set aside about $135 million for wastewater agencies. On December 2nd, the Arkansas Natural Resources Commission uh, meeting approved those utilities that would receive up to $5 million in ARPA funding. Unfortunately, our application was not approved for funding. There were more than eight, 800 applications received for water and wastewater projects. Um, on the wastewater side, only 52 projects were awarded. Um, and, and they were awarded, obviously, at, at various levels of funding. Our application uh, for repair and rehabilitation and innovative collective system monitoring technologies um, 
was not approved. Uh, it's, it is a $17 million project, and we'll be working at, at continuing to, to look at how we fund that into uh, 2023. Um, I want to say that I'm not surprised with, uh, I, I, I am surprised with the outcome. I understand that there were many wastewater utilities that had tremendous needs. Also, uh, ANRD uh, helped us, uh, you know, they've done a tremendous job in helping us. So, so to that end, um, you know, I, I obviously we, we've had our, our share of good, good luck with them. Um, it, just a reminder, we've received three years of principal deferment at no additional cost, which saved us millions on that. Uh, we had an, a loan issue to perform FEMA work, and that's the, the amount of money that uh, we were responsible for. And they, they did that at 1.75% interest rate. Again, lower than, than, than the current uh, uh, going rate. And then uh, what we're doing now is we're refinancing at a lower interest rate um, much of the loans that we, uh, that we have with them. This will save us about 1.5 million annually for the first 15 uh, years uh, with a lower overall cost at the end. So again, I'm disappointed, but ANRD has worked well with us. I do want to say that I had uh, lunch with uh, Chris Kohlklaeser, who is the director of ANRD, and the first things out of my mouth is I'm very disappointed with these guys. <laughs> but, uh, but at the end, we had a good lunch, and, and, and they're a good organization. <coughs> so, also, I, I, I want to apologize for what's occurring with our AV system here. Um, we are working on providing something that's a little more uh, reliable. I, I do want to say that the system that we've got here, we have made some minor tweaks to it, but it really is the same system we had in, what, 2006, 2008, somewhere, 2005. So when the building was put up, this is the system that we're using now, and, and obviously it's, it's gone way over its useful capacity. So we'll be working at getting that replaced soon. Um, Want to say I also had lunch with uh, the newly elected director, uh, uh, Virgil Miller, as well as Gene and I met with Andrea Lewis uh, of Ward 6, and we, uh, uh, we warned them, or I'm, I'm sorry, we, we stated to them that they would be mm -hmm. uh, involved in an orientation of the utility so that they, they know what's going on. And uh, Vice Chair uh, Hightower, that's, those are my highlights, and I would like to get into the, uh, into the proposed January items, if that's okay. Please continue. All right, so there'll be profession, uh, professional service amendment for 18-inch uh, and larger inspection and repair, which we'll bring to you. Uh, we will have a resolution of intent uh, and signatory authority for the revolving loan fund application. And this will allow us to continue to do capital improvement projects for a period of about three years um, uh, once we receive the loan. And so you, you'll hear more about that. Uh, there will be a resolution of intent uh, signature authority, and this is to pursue the refinancing. This is what I just talked about with ANRD. Again, this should save us about one and a half million for about 15 years. Mm -hmm. And then uh, we will come in with a purchase authorization to replace one pump at the Arch Street pump station. Um, we also will have a presentation from our human resources group on the highlights of, <coughs> of the things that are going on. And uh, commissioners, that is all I have. I want to say, uh, obviously, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. Be safe. I do want to thank you for the work that uh, you do for the uh, the authority. I will say, um, volunteering for this is obviously not easy. You guys are busy, um, but I do know that it's a very important job that you do, and I want to thank you for that. Thank you, thank you, sir. We appreciate you. All right, item number fifteen, old business. Fifteen, new business. Chairman. I just want to make a comment. Thanks to the uh, having been at the uh, chamber luncheon, they brought in uh, the CEOs of the AFCO Steel and WW Steel, and there was a little foreshadowing on uh, with what they do and some of their biggest clients are that they're doing steel structures for, and I think it's a good omen that uh, for that super site down in uh, in the port that it looks to me. Uh, like it possibly could be a semiconductor producer uh, that they're that they're going after based on what the foreshadowing we saw at the with W and W building most of the semiconductor plants all over the world for almost all of the major semiconductor uh, producers. So, and it's a very water intensive user 
almost a million gallons a day uh, to produce those silicon wafers, which means there's effluent coming out. So it's a, it's good for the water company, and it looks like it'll be good for the sewer company if we're able to land one of those one of those companies. All right, item number 17. Our next proposed meeting is January the 18th of 2023. Uh, item number 18. It's time to go. All right, <laughs> any objections to our adjournment? If not, I wish everyone a happy holidays and a Merry Christmas. And right. Thank we're adjourned. You. Thank you. Thank you.